0: Hello and welcome to The Agenda. It's Monday the 24th of April 2023. It's an overcast, uh, a little bit rainy, but I think the sun might break out. Um, It's uh, a good base for a day uh, on Canvas Lang, and I'm sure we'll get updates on how everyone else is uh, in their different parts of the country. But uh, we've got a week of build-up again to another Glasgow Derby We've got uh, Rangers in the Scottish Cup semi-final and what probably is the, m- every one of these games is important. I'm not going to care on; it's not. I think we can all see that. We can all, we understand how important every game is, but this one's just very, very different in regards to if we get this one over the line, special things will happen, but we'll talk about it. We'll talk through it. Uh, I'm joined as always by Alan Edgars here. Hello Alan, how are you?
1: I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, feeling nice and fresh. Um, nice sunny, bright day ish. So um, yeah, all good here, and looking forward to a big week,
2: big big week,
0: big big week indeed. Uh, Kieran Devlin, hello, sir. How are you, my friend?
2: I'm I'm good, but I feel this is maybe the first time that the east coast and the west coast had a big big divide because it is absolutely fucking miserable. <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, got 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 hailstones. Got uh, pouring rain. It's grey, all about, so maybe that's on your way to you, in which case, enjoy, but uh, no, it's it's not very it right nice here.
0: Um, when you say hailstones, do you mean hailstones or hail hailstones?
2: Oh, very good. Hail <laughs> hailstones, of course. Save that for Wednesday.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the sort of pattern you'll hear at the live show. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the live show uh, coming up in a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's funny that i was at celtic park on saturday um i be i be i was ill last week so um saturday was the first time i ventured out in about a week or so and um (laughs) you know sitting at my in my uh, it wasn't even my normal seat actually it was my brother-in-law's seat because we we did a wee swap so a different perspective on the game um at half full time i was miserable i really was i was thinking oh my god um but yesterday was a lot of fun. And we'll talk through it all and it'll be it'll be a good laugh. Um but how how are things? Uh, Alan, how are you? Um what anything happening this week? Um, getting plans, as we mentioned, the the big live show's on Wednesday, so we're all getting prepared for that. Um anything else been happening in your world, sir?
1: No, I was uh, I was at the game on Saturday as well, and then went for a couple of drinks after. Um I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks, so largely lying low. Um well, apart from this weekend probably. Um before I go on holiday, so um, nothing nothing crazy dramatic um, over the weekend, but I had a wee uh, rice meal yesterday as well, and hopefully
2: a nice busy week this week as well, so it's
1: all uh, go.
2: Great stuff. Kieran. yourself, been up to much? Uh, and I've been fairly chill the last um, week or so. I had I had some mild day drinking on the Saturday, um, but I stopped so I could go back and watch the game that was the biggest regret of the weekend <laughs> um should i just kept going that might have helped a nice bomb but uh yeah the yesterday, yesterday i wasn't too hung over on yesterday which means i could enjoy uh that result and uh in all its glory which was nice and i did yeah, i just fairly chill. I got busy a week got powers from london visiting this weekend for the, the bank holiday and everything and Obviously, you're going to see I'm going to see the big the big chronicles live on on Wednesday. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, this will be the big one. Hopefully, the weather turns out less shit in the meantime.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So the the, Con- the chronicles will be live on Wednesday um, in Blackfriars. We've still got some tickets available, but they've they've sold out really well. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone who's bought a ticket. And we can't wait for uh, to see everyone to hang out and stuff. And this is it's, it's a smaller, more intimate venue, and it's a smaller intimate show purposely done because we wanted to kind of have a nice weekend of gathering before the the big game on Wednesday in um sorry big game on Sunday. Um we're gonna to talk to Alan what's your what are you looking forward to on Wednesday?
1: Mm, a pint probably <laughs> a couple, um a couple I'd say priority one. Um no I'm looking forward to it. sometimes these weeks can be a wee bit slow. Um so it'll be nice to look back on what is was a very, very fun time, uh, the wee period of games we're going to look at. I started doing some research last night and found a couple of real nuggets of information, which will hopefully be a good bit of fun on Wednesday night. So I always like recording that. It's probably one of my highlights. So it should be good fun in front of you. A, kind of, a good pub crowd before a, a huge game at the weekend. So it's, it occupies a nice, um, what would be an otherwise quiet night and a long week. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be really good fun. I'm looking forward to seeing folks
0: yeah absolutely if you want tickets um, there's the link on our um, Twitter account there's also uh, there's an email that's uh, went out on Friday if you've got um, if you can't find any of that um, email editor at the cynic.co and we'll send you the link or DM is on Twitter and we'll send you the link or Instagram and we'll send you the link but really really looking forward to the show a really good crowd um, and uh, you'll get to listen you could be sitting in between Kieran Devlin and Chris Bowd who knows just how the seating works you could have just one of those great days um, so have a Kieran's. Like, I'm not sitting beside you. I tell you that.
2: Um, listen, I, uh, I really look forward to it. the we that just shout Simpsons jokes
0: loud <laughs> and disrupt the entire thing. That's uh, yeah, and I I will receive and reciprocate <laughs> as well. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of stuff um, kind of happening this week. Yeah, we've got obviously lots of content as well. Um, I just wanted to highlight that we just for a bit of fun that we were invited onto the overlap. Gary Neville's like podcast they're doing a um they're doing like a podcast on the old firm like the headline is like the old firm let's discuss the old firm and we got like uh alan mccoyce and chris sutton debating what makes the old firm so special with the help of fans from both sides of glasgow and i was just looking at it thinking jesus um so yeah look forward to that
2: um Keaton. I got that as well. Sent to my new work email, which was quite fun. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really quite curious about, like, because I imagine most self-respecting Celtic and Rangers fans will duly ignore that. Yeah. But I'm really curious about what are the, uh, what are the characters that are going to appear on it now? Uh, that will be what sort of uh, eccentric bodies will be the ones that join on? Yeah. This is awkward. <laughs> Sorry. This is awkward. <laughs> Have you checked your junk mail? <laughs>
0: Not, Alan was there, Alan was there front and centre <laughs> him and Ali McCoyst
2: I've always
1: wanted to meet Gary Neville and Ali McCoyst together, so it's a just it's an opportunity that couldn't be turned down
0: Absolutely, uh, Yeah, um, so we've got as I say, lots of stuff coming up this week, I'm really excited for this week, um, as we all are and I uh, look forward to it. Uh, we've got an opening question from our good friend Gregory, Gregory Clark um, It's a bit long, but it's it's a it's a good question so I'll uh, just like, give me uh, a second or two to read it out um, So Gregory's question, which is the opening question for today. I've been thinking a lot about the future of Celtic within Scottish football lately and how sustainable the status quo is in terms of league competitiveness for us to make a genuine, prolonged impact in Europe every season despite Ange and his vision. Fantastic to see the Hats lose so pitifully yesterday. It brings me such joy. However, to what extent do you think we'll see Rangers return to the days of not being a serious season-long title rival anymore? 2006-2020 circa. And what's your thoughts on how it impacts us? There's a school thought out there that whatever we've been successful in Europe, so have they in the same season. And that has specific success only occurs concurrently. I'll admit my brows were raised when their miraculous Europa League final achievement and the sale of Bassi and Arebo still didn't get them out of the red. Their future looks bleak while we're speeding off in the opposite direction. Um, It's an interesting question. It's the whole idea of, you know, a a strong competitive Rangers will actually boost us a little bit further and a little bit um, further ahead because we have to. Um, We've talked plenty of times about our fears with, you know, the Celtic board and their idea of what success looks like domestically and how that can affect Europe. We've not won a knockout competition in 20 years. Um, we all take great, great joy in how pathetically humiliating some of the results can be. And, you know, again, we can talk briefly about the, the Aberdeen game because it was hilarious <laughs> and it's leading up to the semi-final. We're not giving them any credit, none of that. But Alan, just in regards to that competitive nature, it doesn't have to be Rangers, it can be someone, I guess, is also the other way you could look at it but do you think we need that to kind of push forward or what's your thoughts on Gregory's question
1: I think it's good to take stock especially when you're in a dominant position um which we appear to be at the moment um I think though our rivalry with Rangers is just one element of what we are as a club um I think it is something we've focused probably too heavily on and a lot of our revenue marketing has been largely derived from that rivalry and this very unique nature of that rivalry. If I'm probably being entirely honest though, I think that's something that you would like to see just simply be one element and not be something that defines the club. Um, Because if it does, then I think the question would be valid and the success then of Rangers would then have an impact on us. But if you're looking forward and you're trying to think what Celtic can do to make sure that we are, um, you know, progressing in Europe, the way to do that is to continue to build and be strong. Whether you win the league by a point or whether you win the league by 30 points, you next season will go into the Champions League um, group stages, which is a huge um, financial benefit and also it's the top table of European football. Um, so I think that in itself is what you want to work on. And as I say, whether it's by a huge margin or whether it's by a very fine margin, you, you've got access to that. Obviously, over time, the coefficient becomes important. I think at the moment, not to be, not taking a dodge the question, but whilst European football reconstruction is very featuring very heavily and it's a kind of unknown at the moment I think it's difficult to say I think in three or four years the likelihood is we will have a better picture of how domestic success will feed into where your place in Europe is because at the moment that's a good thing that's a positive in three years time that could be a lot worse it could be a lot better so um, I don't think trying to be largely there or thereabouts in terms of standard and stature with Rangers is something that we should desire or kind of see as a positive. Um, They're an independent club. They can do whatever they like to whatever level they like. And I think we are the exact same. And I think there's more than enough that we can do um, off our own back. And there's so much improvement to be done at Celtic. I think there's a lot. We're loving it at the moment. We're good domestically. We're dominant domestically there's so much to be explored in terms of um, in terms of European success. And I mean success as in relative to us and what we've achieved, as you see, over the last 20 years. So um, I think there's more than enough out there. And I think the way to do that isn't to be looking over your shoulder at the other teams domestically. I think it's to actually look at other teams in Europe and say, look what they achieve, look how they do it. Um, and the standard of our league domestically will always have an impact, but it shouldn't be something that we say, well, we can only go so far because... You know, we're twelve, fifteen, twenty points ahead of the nearest team twos in the league. Other leagues seem to manage that absolutely fine, so I don't think we should be any different.
0: Uh Kieran, your kind of thoughts on it?
2: Um uh, firstly I just like to say I love it when we get these types of questions that are really informed, really, really insightful, really eloquent, and they still have that little dig at rangers. I feel that's really the um the cynic sweet spot where <laughs> yeah. these very, very articulate, intelligent uh listeners putting a really interesting question but we all love we all love the lowest com- comment on, on, on our dig I feel that's the cynic personified love it love it <laughs> um, I think yeah I'd, 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 probably no surprise that I'm in complete agreement with, with with Alan and I think it's something as the weeks and months go by I think it's and the way that Rangers the fact that we are Almost, you know, we're, we're winning the league. We might even have a treble to top it off. And the fact that Rangers probably are going to have to either downsize quite significantly or pull off a blender of our transfer window. Uh, and even then, that might not be enough given, given where they are. And the way you know we've got the you know Saturdays is its own thing it could be a one off game We've not played brilliantly in recent weeks apart from the you know first half an hour against Kilmarnock. but in general, I think most people will look at that squad the start an eleven and say we're we're getting there this this is close to it. this is a good team that could be a great team um and I think it's this summer is going to be massive for illustrating what the club's strategy is, what the club's perspective, and where we are. Because if rangers as as you know as Alan and the reader was, was saying like if they are gonna fall back again to where they were when they first got promoted is is it gonna be the case of we we downsize accordingly as we have done as we did do after you know they went out of existence in in twenty twelve um or is there gonna be the sea change we hope is finally being made um you know we've seen it some way in terms of how we're handling the transfer market but is this where we're going to see? Okay, Rangers might fall back, but we're we're not. We're not. We're not falling back. We're not plateauing. We do actually want to do something with Ange in Europe. We do want to do something with this team. Whether that is getting second in the Champions League, whether that is, you know, going deep into the Europa League, you, there are some positions we need addressed. And okay, you might say we're you know only two or three players need to get brought in. Well, we stick to our transfer strategy of you know going outside Europe, bringing players in for two or three million. Or will we actually say, okay, let's bring in two players for six, seven million quid, you know, like that? We think properly, you know. We mentioned it last week. I think Saturday really, you know, I'm going to be a hypocrite and say, actually, I do want that shiny number eight, <laughs> given the midfield's performance at the weekend. Um, but you know, that keeper, that th- those players who can elevate us. You know, I don't think necessarily you need to spend six, seven, eight million quid to get those if you have really good recruitment, but it would be, you know it helps <laughs> um, It helps when you have that budget available for you I think it'll be really instructive about where you know the, the board and the club the direction they want to go in or whether they think, are we just going to consolidate our strength now bring in a couple of players that, like we have in the past maybe and just say we're going to have a guy who's, you know, if we bring in a 21 year old keeper who we think is decent and can maybe provide competition for Hart this season and next? Or are we going to bring in someone to basically tell Hart, we'd like you to be number two, to be like a real sort of experience, a real charismatic figure in the dressing room, but this guy is, is where we want to be? Yeah, I, I think it'll be really instructive and I think it'll be either incredibly depressing or incredibly exciting. I, 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 this might be hyperbolic but it doesn't feel like there's going to be a middle ground because so much hinges we've talked about next next season you know there's a three team cycles occur every three years this should be as going into our peak Ange season the team know his style a few more signings but that should be you know not only the best football we'll play under Ange next season but potentially one of the great teams this century if not you know if it isn't already this should be a really exciting time and you know I think it'll be really telling how the club responds to that challenge
1: uh, Alan, do you want to come in? Yeah, I think it maybe even goes back a little bit to what I think we discussed it last week. And I think this summer, but I, think, I think the club will bring in new players. I don't think you'll never know within the window itself what the standard of that will be. That will flesh out. I think what will be quite interesting is... Whenever a European journey next season ends, whether that's at the end of a six-game Champions League run, or whether that's you know further, you know, into February or March, I think that will be the point where the club will want to look and take stock. And historically, there has always been a point where the drawbridges can been drawn up a little bit, and we've almost decided, look, we've got to this point, we've got a good squad. Is it time to cash in? And I think the issue with doing that is, and Kieran spot on, if you do that, that is then a very hard end to a cycle. And instead of continuing to evolve and improve, what you then get is a, a sell-off of any of the assets that are there. You're left with players who don't have an option to be there or, or you know, maybe not get the option to move on. And then presumably you bring in a new manager and then it's a whole new sea change in terms of personnel, style, players, whatever. I think what everyone, I say everyone, that's maybe being, that's, there's, there's nothing behind that. I think in in my eyes, in my opinion, what I would like to see whenever Angie's time itself Celtic comes to an end, I would like to see a, 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 kind of, a, a soft end to it, if you like. And instead of, a complete change and new manager, new broom, all those analogies. I would actually quite like to see an evolution, someone to come in and actually work with what we've got to continue to build on some of the philosophies that the manager has, but also try and work with the players that are there and try to then build on that and take it up a step. And I think that's what you're seeing with a lot of clubs at the moment. And there are as many articles out there as you wish to read about teams like Brighton who are doing things and doing things well. And it's very, very hard to replicate that. But what you can try and do is is say, well, let's not bring in someone that's then going to have to change it entirely and we'll try and build and continue to develop. I think that's what I would like to see. Instead of, look, Ange, you know, is at the end of a three, four year period, whatever that is, let's sell off the players that were a success under him who have got value left in them and let's bring in someone new entirely and let's start again from scratch. Because then you'll get to that starting point. And, you know, the question's asking about looking over our shoulder at Rangers. We, we're we competing with a team that went out of business, you know, 10 years ago. So is there any more stark and examples as that, that actually we were left, you know, unawares or we didn't take advantage of it? I think that's what I would like to see and actually build on it. And whatever, you know, however strongly Rangers recruiting in the summer or not, I don't want it to have any zero impact right. whatsoever on what we do going forward.
0: Yeah, excellent excellent point, I mean we could go on and I had another couple of points I was going to go on to but do you know what we're already 20 minutes in because this is such a kind of interesting point uh, question from, from Gregory and we could go on but we'll kind of leave it there um, but just one point I'll make is that you know Maravchik67 on Twitter, at Maravchik67 an incredible account that Kind of gives you all the kind of European standings and how, who's going to qualify and always really really good, always really well thought out. What they're saying is that essentially it looks more than likely that if we perform decently next season in European competition that the winners of Scottish the Scottish Premiership will actually again get access straight into the new format for the Champions League. So that's a huge, huge huge carrot for any manager that might be that that might be the sort of thing that Ange Postacoglu looks at and thinks you know maybe I was only going to stay for three season but you know what I'd love a start and I'd love a go at the new kind of thingy so great stuff uh great debate and uh, as always and yeah listen we've got another question I want to go right into from uh, Liam um we've not had a lot of questions over last week obviously due to uh kind of illness and stuff but question from Liam is the conversation around Alistair Johnson getting a bit too binary slash simplistic? Lots of people now saying he's an upgrade on Uranovich. then you got, uh, uh, got others of a more analytical persuasion disagreeing with that. I just think they both have different attributes and it's a more nuanced conversation than one being better than the other. I th- the thing that excites me about AJ is I think his attitude and natural athleticism are top level and some of the weaker sides, such as his ball progression, can be worked on. Basically, I think the guy has a high ceiling and already has a great baseline to improve from, Be good to see what you guys think if possible. Kieran, uh, you, you seem like the type of person who would hate Alistair Johnston. Let's start with you. <laughs>
2: no, I think, I think, I think, I think it's a it's a good point, and I think you know there are, there are obviously qualities he has over Juranovic and I think Juranovic has qualities over um, over Johnston. I think, I think it comes back to the playing out from the back debate, and I do think I do. I think his biggest issue is playing out from the back. I think he's quite similar to C. C. V. and Starfield, in which he likes he likes time on the ball. Um, and he likes a, a clearer angle to to book in the ball. I think is a, is a good point. You know, I think I've, I've been more one ro- round by him in recent weeks. Not at the weekend because I don't think he or Taylor. I thought the fullbacks were especially poor. I don't think anyone's particularly good. Um, but I I, I, th- I think i have slowly been one round to him. I think I've talked about it before. I think when I said I think he'd be a. a a better player in almost any other Celtic team this century than the Saj's team, because he is like an old school fullback. He's really quick. He's strong. He's aggressive. He works hard and he's good at overlapping. We saw his his brilliant cross for Eida. You know, he can produce a good delivery as well. And I think he makes smart decisions in the final third. It's just that, you know, that um, tight spaces, close control, first touch, and being able to move the ball quickly. And often at difficult angles. I think I agree pretty much entirely with the with the the listener's point, but I think I I don't think bulk progression is as easy to develop or coach as as that. I do think because it's so honed into you know what what kids are now being taught about scanning, um, you know, the importance of that. It's not just about your first touch or scoring goals or passing. Now it's something that's really when I when I chatted to youth coaches when I was at the Athletic, that's something they're hammering home is being able, knowing if being knowing the person you want to pass to with your first touch you might not be you know 8-year-olds might not technically be able to do it yet but it's just building that knowledge that that instinct for constantly knowing where you, you were going to move the ball i don't feel many of our defenders can do that i do think you know not to hammer home the, the point that I've been making the last three years and be a born bastard again but I do think our, well one of our biggest issues at the weekend was we were so slow and safe in playing out from the back and that just allowed Motherwell so much time to set up I, I do think we miss Juranovic in those situations. Maybe you can make the point that Johnston has, is a bit better on defensive one-on-ones than Juranovic. He, you know, he, he's stronger, he's better on there and then maybe we benefit from that way and And that's the flip side to not being able to as good from playing out the back. So I think it's right. As, as a nuanced discussion, I think the only thing I'd, I'd caveat is I'm not I'm not sure what his ceiling is in terms of that playing out from the back. And I don't know whether that is something in time we just adjust to. Because I think like when Kobayashi not to be not to be a you know a parody and mention Kobayashi <clears> again, <throat> but I do think having two defenders who can play out from the back and Kobayashi and Taylor makes a massive difference. And it does it's not you're not asking as much from the other centre back and Johnston. But having only Taylor really, who's decent at that sort of interplay building up it puts a lot, you know, it really slows us down, I think. And I think maybe Johnston can be liberated by having one of the centre-backs who is you can take the ball out in his stead.
0: do uh, K- don't worry about mentioning Kobayashi. We've had lots and lots <laughs> of questions about Kobayashi after the weekend. So um, the Kobayashi train, I'm sure, will uh, go uh, tooting on. Uh, That's not his
2: name. That's not say its name. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm... I'm Alan, um, <laughs> Kieran's putting us in a weird position, Alan. Um, he's going to want us to get into the yield. Um, no, I can't even make a joke about <laughs> it. Uh, Alan, just obviously that kind of, that. it's unlike football fans to not be nuanced in their uh, discussion and opinions about players. But, um, you know, Alistair Johnson, again, someone, a fan just has any sort of doubts or questionable thoughts about him, probably just drop him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't think he's going to drop him on the basis that.
0: No, no, I, ju- I, I just, I just mean in general, like long term. If like that, that's sorry, jumping at him, but like there's a lot of big things about like Ange doesn't f- suffer fools gladly. If he doesn't think someone's doing a good job or someone's not up to it, I think he just punts them. <laughs> that's that's genuinely what I really like about him. It's kind of like, nah, you're not like the turnover in squad that we've had from the players who were around from the first transfer window that Ange brought in. Are already some of them are already away. Sorry, Alan, yeah, I've jumped on but, your point.
1: But bear in mind, we're on a podcast, so we can tell Ange better than him what is good for him and good for his team. Of course. Um so I'd like to just remind you of that responsibility that we have. Positive. Um I, I do like AJ. I think he's actually been very good since he came in. I do think um, even as a big fan, his incis his ability to incisively pass through the lines is not Yet being one of his strengths, he is much more of a, I don't want to say blunt force instrument because that probably has been really, really mean. And I don't, I, I like him a lot. I think he's a, I think he's a superb defender. Um, and he's got a lot, um, in his armoury. And I think the, the, the original question specifically mentions that, that natural fitness, um, that continues game on game. But I don't think one of his strengths is receiving the ball in traffic and then Passing to someone else through traffic, and that's probably not a big secret because it's well, it's really hard to do. There's, we've got some midfielders that struggle to do that. To be honest, so you know, asking that of a right back is is quite difficult. But I think he has been really impressive, and I think probably we maybe the one thing we could do is allow him the benefit of a little bit of time as well because you know he he joined straight from the World Cup. He has been a. I think a rip success, if I'm probably being entirely honest, I think he's, be, he's been superb and especially in big games, he's shown that the defensive side of the game is something he relishes. But I think it's not unreasonable to say we want more, we're greedy. Um, we want him to be, you know, a better player and we want him to pick up. But I think Kieran's point probably about the aggregate of having that ability across the back is something that we... I think it is just when you talk about the evolution of the team, you probably do need a little bit more back there in terms of being able to play out. And I think the weekend... Probably was a good example of it. Particularly the last 20 minutes was a really clear example of it when we started to change the system, but we still had three players on there that it's probably not their strength is, is playing through teams. Um, and instead of maybe making a slightly bolder change there, we kind of stuck with it and stuck with that defensive solidity. So I think when you're talking about next season, I think there is a discussion there to be had about looking across the back four and thinking, do we need a little bit more? And I think Keith has been consistent with that. I don't think Johnston's one of the ones, though, that will find himself in the summer um, an area that's necessarily targeted. We talked about fullbacks last week. There is a need to build on that. And I don't think anyone is in a protected position. I think Johnston of the fullbacks is probably the one that you would look at and say he's got everything defensively. You can then build on top of that. I think he's probably, I think he's a lock getting into next season or as close as you can get under Ange to being a player that will be a big part of it across that back four along with probably CCV um, in my opinion. But, um, that's maybe been a little bit unfair to Taylor but that's maybe just very very short term memory from me after a weekend
0: yeah absolutely, um, that's Alan's Lock of the Week Um, you can find out all Alan's Lock Locks of the Week in his, uh, his new book uh, the lock of it's the called
2: week. Greg Taylor fuck off <laughs>
0: <laughs> Greg Taylor get to fuck
1: um, Alan's Lock of the Week sounds feels like some sort of daily re- record segment from 2006 where I pick four locks of the week and I email them off to somebody and then I do nothing else. Absolutely, I quite
0: like it. Absolutely nothing else. Um Yeah. We'll discuss
1: I, it on the overlap later this week. I've
0: got <laughs> Very good. Very quick. Good. Good quick for Wednesday. Um well, we'll obviously we're going to talk about the Marvel game and uh we'll talk about that in a moment. We've got some news that we'll kind of get you know, Posticoglo's uh surprise inclusion in the shortlist of candidates to become Chelsea's head coach, albeit is not the front runner. Uh obviously you've seen all the names that have been connected to was originally in the frame, who's not in the frame now. Uh, again, we don't have to go. I just want, I think it's just g- good to highlight the fact that, you know, he's consistently being linked with stuff. Just, it's going to happen um, for the rest of the time he's here. Um,
1: Do you remember the old football manager, Chris? And I'm talking way, way back. Maybe, I don't know how far back actually. Maybe only eight or nine years. I,
0: well, you have to give it some context. Do you remember the old thing that happened ages ago? When was it, Alan? Oh fucking ages ago, so, remember.
1: You but it's, it's probably any football manager, you presumably could still do it now if you if you still play it. But you could take over another team yeah. with good players, yeah. and you could release them all yeah. and then gobble them up for your own team. Yeah. Maybe Andrew's is thinking that <laughs> because Chelsea have got a, an ordinate amount of first team talents, including ones that ripped us apart in Europe earlier this season. It would be nice if you just went there and just released them all and just signed them all up for Celtic, a la Championship Manager, the fictional game.
0: Hopefully we would be signing them on £30 contracts, though, as opposed to, like... Ideally, we we'll are not getting
1: unlimited uh, budget. I mean, that's... The
0: hundred grands that they're worth. Uh, ach, look, I, I, again, just highlighting it, but it's just... I saw, uh, was it Mika Richards was talking about how um, he was talking to Joel Hart about Ange and, like... It, oh, it's only a matter of time before someone takes, you know, takes a takes the plunge on him. and it's like shut the fuck up, have, have a bit of respect.
1: Wow, Jesus!
0: Oh. don't don't talk about our managers who are in positions.
1: He's turned into Roy Keane around Mika Richards.
0: Aye, fuck him! That's what I say. Uh, Celtic defender Greg Taylor says he's now free from injury. Um, some quotes from Taylor from the weekend. This was before the <laughs> uh, the game. Um, I feel much better, to be honest, Touchwood. You go through parts of the season when you maybe have a wee phase of feeling it. Sometimes you need to patch yourself together a bit, but the last couple of weeks I felt really good and ready to finish the season strong. It's the same with everyone. The manager is massive on the squad thing, being the reason we've been so successful this far. We know there's still a long way to go, but the boys who come in always perform to the same level, which is a credit to the squad. People are saying the season is done, but that is not our attitude. Since right back at pre-season, we've taken each game uh, as a focus and we'll move on to the next session, never mind the next game. The training was the same standard this week and we'll be going again this weekend. Do you want to finish the season in style? Absolutely. (laughs) Well. Saturday would have been a good start but there you go uh it's exactly that uh, i think you see your mentality in the performance that came on last week that's been the way all season there's still a lot of play for him we're ready for it um i know we obviously joking about uh greg taylor but kieran he's just a uh, such an important part of this this team um he's one of those guys i'd say there's a handful of them that whoever comes in behind them has such big shoes to fill that they very rarely can kind of hit the highlights that he can.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, he had a, he had an off game. He had an off game on Saturday. All of the best players this season have had off games. McGregor had you know, Kyogo. They've all had bad games. So I think it's just more obviously more noticeable when, especially one of your big errors leads to the goal. Um, it's he's just he's been great. Like I, I, think, I do. Personally, I do think Hitate is still my runaway uh, um, candidate for player of the season, especially, I think, Saturday, if anything, is maybe strengthened his case. <laughs> um, but like, I, I do think Taylor's easily... He, maybe like, he's, he's top three for me as well. He's just... he is not only, I mentioned it earlier that he is the only member of that starting back five who is capable of playing through traffic, as Alan's saying, but he also just uses the ball smartly. He just uses it. Uh, intelligently, and he's always trying to be ambitious, but he, he d- rarely gives away possession in, in key areas. And he just works hard. He's, def- I think, he, his defensive work goes uh, quite under the radar as well because he's not making you know big sliding tackles or you know these giant aerial ta- challenges. He just reads the game well, so he intercepts it, or you know he's quite good at shuffling defenders away, or not you know met that. Uh, <laughs> Usually he's a lot better defensive one v ones than it was at Saturday, but um, you know I think he's just he's just a, a decent player. Maybe you know as a, he's he's not like a star player in that in that venue. You know, it was not a Keiran Tierney who you look at and say he's one of the best players in your team, but he's just a very very solid dependable player who contributes a lot, especially in build up play, but also I think underratedly in the final third. He's not produced loads of assists from crosses, but just in his build, you know, link-up play around the edge of the box and out the wide is really, really important, for especially those sort of um, balls, those um, reverse balls for people like Matt O'Reilly to latch onto and then they get the assist. Um, yeah, I think he's just a really good player for us, and it's a shame happening at the Saturday, but he's going to be so invaluable in the title run. And I, you know, it was only a couple of weeks ago, we were maybe a bit worried we'd have to keep up with uh, Bernabé for the uh, the rest of the season, so given the other injuries to important players we have at the moment and whether or not, you know, Jota or Hatate, one or both of them might not make it at the weekend. You know, the fact that we do have key players across the pitch in other areas is welcome.
0: Yeah, you know, we can talk about, you know, his performance uh, in the Motherwell game. Um, but Alan, it was just a bit of a, you know, like he, when he performs badly, when he performs poorly, it's such a kind of standout because he he has played to such a consistent level.
1: Yeah, he's, he's had an exceptional season and yeah, he just had a really just had a really poor game, both with the ball and without the ball at the weekend. The goal was it's pretty cheap and it never looks good when you get kind of turned inside out like that as a defender. He just kinda of lost his bearings. Van Veen is a good player, but you know, he just maybe second guessing himself a little bit. Like as Keenan said, McGregor made a mistake the week before. Taylor had a really poor game there. You you have to have faith in these guys that actually they can brush these things off because they've put themselves into such a dominant position and they know that they can just go back and do the basics again. So I'm happy to dust it off. I was only having a wee bit of fun. Um, hopefully, Aye. he'll be a huge player Aye. for us. Aye. A wee bit of fun. <laughs> he'll, he'll be a huge player for us at the weekend. But um, I think the only thing I think it just uh, over the last maybe couple of games and it's just a little reminder of the you know that we are fallible and that when we see ourselves playing against the top teams in Europe, it's important to think that it's not enough for us to be as good as we are domestically. We need to be so much better than that. So I think it's just another reminder of enjoy this season, enjoy hopefully what is going to be a strong finish to the season, but looking ahead to the summer and thinking what can be done and where improvements can be made. And I think, to be honest, there's probably very few positions that I would look at and say that I wouldn't you know, take some either better competition or a, an improvement in the, the starting eleven. So, I'm hoping that that's what we're in for. But, so a, a lot, a lot to play for with the rest of this season starting on the starting Sunday.
0: Um, this obviously that was the last game before the the split. On and again, as I say, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that in a moment or two. Um, that was the last game before the split. The split fixtures are supposed to be released today. Uh, there's no time. Like I, I've been looking, kind of scurrying, um, kind of going through everything all day today, trying to find. A time but there's no time release so I'm guessing they'll just drop at some point Um, it's kind of clear that you know they're very keen to not have Celtic win the title against Rangers because god forbid um, and I think you know uh, they probably want to avoid do you think they'll give us a really difficult fixture uh, in the first weekend just to try and have us not win the title Alan
1: um no I don't think so if I'm honest I think uh, the, the ship has sailed there very much um, it'll just be interesting to see when I'm keen because I'm going to be away for two match days so and the time difference is obviously fairly significant in, in Vancouver so I'm just the midweek fixture at Rangers would not be the worst thing for me so I can go and watch it at an acceptable time with other Celtic fans and not be watching it at four in the morning like a pariah um, so I'm keen to see when they're out but hopefully later today and tonight, but I think the fixtures are fixtures now and it's all good to me as well because if we win the league and we go to the as champions, then, I mean, happy days. There is no, there's no no bad outcome here.
0: I would like the Derby game to be midweek as well. I think that would be good. Um, Kieran, any preferences?
2: No, I think, yeah, I'd, I'd just quite the idea of going there pressure free and, you know, it'd be quite nice yeah, I don't no, not really. <laughs> I think I, I, personally, I'm not big on the midweek games because that's more that's more time to shit yourself um, before kick off. So even I say it was always all pressure free. Obviously, that doesn't affect my nerves or anxiety in any way. So nope. no, like a twelve twelve o'clock kick off on a Saturday, and we win and a set you up show over the weekend. That's why I'd like that'd be my ideal. Hmm. Yeah,
1: um, so the fixtures should drop today, and um, we can See, just-
2: midweek bump slap.
1: That'd be quite nice. <laughs> Be scalpy bum. No Wednesday night. That'll
2: do me nicely. In the UK jacuzzi. What's wrong with you people, man?
1: <laughs> We're giddy today. Let us fucking enjoy ourselves.
0: Aye. Okay. Yeah. Do you know what? Okay. Um, let Let's have a quick. Obviously, we've got we've got the derby at the weekend, and we want to kind of start talking about them. We've got we've got some good questions as well. But before we do that, uh, you know the Motherwell game at the weekend. Um, a question from Dave, Dave uh, messaged in this morning, uh, Dave Gallagher. Uh, morning guys, just a quick one from me, is there is there any slight concern we seem to have a knock-on effect of the lackluster second half game, second half against Kamarnock, and that seemed to roll into Motherwell, or was it just that we can't win every game and you get these games sometimes? Um... I was, as I say, I was at the game. I had a. Usually, I sit really, really high up in the the Lisbon's Lion Stand, but I was sitting in the corner at the Jockstein, really low. Uh, good view It was my brother in law's uh, ticket, um, and we just just walked for for one game, and it was an interesting perspective because. I'm really, really high up and you get to see the whole pitch as like a tactics board in a a, a funny sort of way. You get to see how kind of things move and all that. Whereas this was really kind of low down. So we were slanted towards Celtics in the first half, the right hand side and in the second half, the left hand side. And... um, it was interesting. It was it was it was good. that you know, a, a, a lot of us are, have had season tickets for years, and you know you don't you always have the same perspective. If you get the opportunity, it's good to kind of go and sit in a new seat and just see things from a different perspective. Um, Alan, I'm going to ask you straight away. I'm going to come out, and it's just a simple question: um, Why do you think we were so lackluster against Motherwell on Saturday? Um, I think if you
1: if you need to boil it down to one thing, I think. it's I think it would be player performance. I don't think we have any doubt in the system. It's worked well for us all season. It worked well for us, to be honest, at the weekend because we created enough chances to win the game. I think we've crowed all season about the depth of the team and how, you know, guys, how are they not getting minutes and, know, when they come in, I think a lot of players have got to do better and include a lot of guys that come off the bench. there was more than enough there for us to win that game. Um, we didn't take chances. We created them, which you give credit for. We just got to have a little bit more poise. And I think the manager was fairly clear about that in his post-match interview as well. Just said just a little bit of guile quality. I don't remember the exact phrase he used, but that's what it felt like to me. Game passed a few players by. I thought some players were encouraging. I thought there was more good stuff again from Matt O'Reilly. Um, so yeah, I think Dave's question is valid. i, I, I I'm concerned, not so much about the Kelly game. That's a that's a bizarre game because the game was dead at half time. But at the weekend there is a little bit of, um, I will use the the famed word, a little bit of malaise in the performance. Um, but don't want to be hypocritical. I think I sat here last week and said that. I think once the split comes and if you're in this dominant position, what you tend to get is you tend to get one absolute on of a side. That didn't come at the weekend. And you do tend to get a, a performance where you're just really far off it. Hopefully that's that performance. And hopefully the, the big bonanza win has still to come. So I don't think it's about panic or anything like that. I would be keen to see some players back and fit and available because we've got a huge game at the weekend. Do I wish that was maybe another wee week out? Absolutely. But it's not. So it's up to the guys to step up and do better. Um, And I don't think you did at the weekend. So that's, I think it's on them a little bit. And I think everybody could lift the levels a lot. Um, But there was more than enough chances to win the game. So, you know, there's no, I don't think there's any systemic issue beyond players just not at their best.
0: It's funny because, sometimes you know you get in this situation where Celtic are winning all the time and performing really well and just this lackluster people don't know how people don't know how to respond to it people don't know how to like you look go on social media and people are losing their mind um and then you get people on the other side like there's you know, everyone is entitled to react how they want to react. I'm not making any judgments on any, on anyone. I just think it's quite funny how the different levels of, of reaction happen. You know, you get the these people who are like doomsayers, like, oh, my God, everything's screwed. And then you get the people on the other side saying, that's nah, fine. Don't worry. It's just it's just one game. And, you know, I think I probably fall somewhere in the middle. Kieran, how, how are you feeling after the game? End of the world or just a bump in the road?
2: I was really annoyed by it. It was a really annoying game to watch. And I think it's natural. You're a bit pissed off. You're hoping it's a sunny day. It's a you know, three o'clock kick over on a Saturday. Everybody wants to watch a five nil and have a few drinks and it throws a throws a span on the works. I think it's also this team are so consistently good and and with such a high level of performance as well as a result. That I think maybe just we become desensitized to how good we are. That like dropping points is like this cataclysmic event. I do think social media has, you know, there is a part in that as well. You know, I don't think any of us are particularly personally on social media much more like Twitter or anything anymore. And for me speaking personally, that that was a factor in that as well. But yeah, I think it's people are always. After a disappointing result, people say stuff they probably don't really mean. I remember after we lost the, the you know the Scottish Cup semi um, last season, there were people saying, "And should you should be on a sugary peg and stuff like that." It's just like people always just there's always that overreaction to things, and I don't think that's not that's a football fan thing, that's a, a Celtic thing, or anything. That's just our, our brains are wired, really. Um, I, yeah, I don't think I, I think the only thing that I would take away from it is what I mentioned earlier. But we do struggle to play out from the back when it's that back five. And that's, I think that's been the case since since the after the World Cup. Um, but I think that's the first time we dropped points. So it's maybe underlined it a bit. But there have been, you know, I'd say even most games since the World Cup, the qualities really come from the middle and final thirds of the pitch. But playing out, we've not really looked great. And but we've still been winning every game in spite of that, which is you know fair enough. You know, and we've saying you know we're not happy with how we're playing out, but we're winning games. So I think it's just as fair to say this is an issue. And as Alan's saying, we can get away with it and still win the vast majority of the games as we have domestically, but it is going to cause us real problems if this is our quality playing out from the back against European teams, as it did in the Champions, as it did you know the season we saw it. But I actually think losing Juranovic. We're even worse at it um, than we were then. So I think that's the, the one sort of issue I'd have. And maybe you can just point to whether you bring Kobayashi, another player, another full back in, or just another centre back in in the summer, and then we address it. But I think it's, yeah, I think it'd be very worried if this is our back five going into the Champions League next season.
0: Uh, Alan, Jordan, you wanted to come in?
2: Yeah, just maybe aside
1: from. Just to maybe build on that a little bit, um, I think player performance, I think left a lot to be desired. Not not the best at the weekend, but that's fine. You can move on with that. I think maybe the substitutions were just a little bit. I think it, what it probably highlighted was maybe not the belief in some of the players. I think. Moving Kyogo out wide. <sighs> Anytime we put Kyogo in any wild, other man. position, he, he does not look the, the the player that he is. He was he made a couple of things happen because he's a he's a immensely talented player, but he's not natural outside the box. And I think there's maybe just a little couple of questions over, you know. I personally I would have probably like to if you want to bring a winger on, bring the winger you've got in the bench on. Um I don't think it was a massive vote of faith in probably Rocco Vata that they tried to shift it around before bringing him on. He is a young player. I understand that, but I think maybe that, that was just a little bit um, kind of odd. Um, So I I think maybe there was just that little reminder of the strength and depth that it's only a couple of injuries and we have been quite fortunate relatively recently with injuries, but a couple of injuries and it does change the nature of how you believe in the squad. And um, this is in a period where we're only playing one game a week um, as well. So it's just a, maybe just a little bit of a reminder for that. I think it's easy when things are going good to believe that actually this squad doesn't need much more in the summer and we talk ourselves into that position of strength. I think maybe some of the things that we've seen and talked about last week about positions we would like to see, I think it may have been on the weekly. I think the weekend was a good indicator and highlighter of that, that it's not a squad that needs surgery in the summer, but if you want to continue improving and driving on, particularly with a focus in Europe, you need to build and you need to improve and, and try and turn over some of what's there.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting that Haksabanovic, you know, played again on the right hand side. You know, he had a couple of good. I mean, there was two or three really great deliveries he had. Um, kind of, uh, in the, one in one in the first half, two in the first half, and one in the second half. Where I think it was I was on, on at least one of them. Where I thought, oh God, that's a goal. How how's how's he not scored there? Sort of thing. Um, so I can understand. There's a certain level of frustration at him, maybe not doing more than you know what people are um, he's not doing what people are expecting i guess right that's fine um when o came on i just i think he kind of reverted back to the guy maybe at the beginning of of, of when we brought him in i thought i thought some of his kind of i don't know and again these are an we're just judging this on Saturday. This isn't making any judgment on, on players overall because Saturday really was a real microcosm, like a really controlled environment where no one came across looking great. I think, as as Alan says, there were some passages of play and some players did perform pretty well. But, you know, um, always chance that he missed. It was right in front of me and um, I... I it's the the old adage of it was easier to score because it it probably was, <laughs> um, but Caden, is this just? A, I again we we talk about this is the fact that this game and this performance came before the semi to almost get out your system and maybe give you a wee wake up call. Maybe actually from a a long term benefit, may actually benefit us more potentially because
2: I think th- I think it's how it's up to the. The players and the manager and, and McGregor sort of, you know, mandating that, you know, I think is how they interpret it and from what we've seen of how McGregor and Ange operate, that's how they will treat it as, they will see it as this is a wake-up call, you cannot play like this uh, next weekend and, you know, you can see you're missing Atati, you're missing jota you're missing two very very key players, two of your most technically gifted and creative players And I think, I, I, I forgot to mention Elba. earlier, but I do think you know, in the same way, playing out from the back badly hasn't really impacted the results. Hatate absence hasn't really impacted the results until at the weekend because I just thought we the only chances we were creating were crosses from out wide. We weren't really creating from the middle, which is a speciality I talked about before. None of our number eights can really create chances through the middle, apart from them. and that was a big thing missing. But yeah, I think it's it's, it's always it's always going to be the case, like, especially because Haksbanovich and O they have shown exciting glimpses, especially as subs, that you're really and maybe because you're hoping for big things, I think oh I think there's like expectation versus reality with him as well. Like I think maybe we were thinking the GG replacement was going to be a ready made guy who could elevate us in the Champions League, but he's not that. He's a project signing. And I think, you know, he has looked I think he his Oren game looks good. He has loads of really good qualities. He scored that great header against Hibs in a big moment, but he's still young. He only had like a, a year of top flight football before we signed him because he came to, you know, he was quite a late developer, relatively speaking. He didn't really start playing regularly until he was 20. He is going to take more time than normal to get to grips. That might take a year or two. I think we've... He's not going to be the ready mate, He's not the finished article. Who's going to, you know, start every Champions League game for us? I think that's maybe what we were thinking with him. And I think it's just it's just those things where we just have to accept that that's the way it's going to be. You know, I saw some people saying like, "Oh, he's not going to make it" and stuff like that. It's just you know, it's, it's, it falls into what we're ta- speaking earlier about overreaction to to many. Like, it's not even a crisis just to drop results, and it, it is natural. But I just think, yeah. I, it was frustrating. It was a frustrating performance, but I, I think especially because he had that miss. But you know there were eight or nine frustrating performances for me across the pitch. Um, and I think it's just that 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 miss and obviously Taylor's error on the go are the two big moments that define it. But I would say there were other guys who were more uh, frustrating for in, in my case. But as you say, I think. We you do need to get these out of the system. I remember remember the uh, the points we dropped at Hibbs last season at Easter Road, the Now Nil. And we were been going through quite a rocky patch but squeezing results and it just wasn't at the level we'd been seeing when we came back after the winter break with those amazing um results when Hitati and O'Reilly had just entered the team. But that Easter Road now nil really galvanized us and I'm you know hopeful that'll be the same. And that's you know, in a way, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big a deal because we won the title. But if we do really want to go in, in the Rangers game, we need that level of individual player performance to improve. Especially if you know Jota and Hatate aren't there, and especially if we're going to keep this back five playing out the way they do. Uh, in
0: regard to the uh, point system, point system, uh, we end up gaining a point. Um, it was a point gained, uh, so actually looking back on it, what a result um, you know, a point ahead um, but obviously Rangers uh, lost to Aberdeen, which was absolutely delightful. Um, Alan, did you happen to see any of the, the Rangers-Aberdeen game? Obviously we're playing Rangers at the weekend, so it is relevant that we kind of see what kind of form they're in uh, did you get to see any of the Aberdeen game?
1: Yeah, that's watched a fair bit of it um, I did start turning off um, about half an hour in um, because it was turgid to be honest yeah. um, and the Brighton Man United game is on so I was kind of switching between the two um, yeah I mean I Rangers I think just what we said after the last game we know what to expect from them, they're going to play direct they're going to play long, I don't really think it matters who's back for them I don't see them changing too much, they'll Try and play direct long. The one thing I noticed from yesterday, they will play really long and they'll try and play, I think, between... When they're going long with it, they'll go wide, but they're going to try and work, I would imagine, between Joe Hart and the two centre-halves to try and cause a little bit of confusion because the distance that they put on the long passes is almost trying to tempt the goalkeeper into coming out. Yeah. And then maybe just that little bit and we've seen a couple of times this year, particularly with Carl Staffelt and Joe Hart, just a little bit of miscommunication. So if there's one thing I'd picked up from it yesterday, it was that to try and make sure that's tidied up um and that both are very much on the same page there. But look, we've played them, you know, twice um twice this year. I don't think there's anything entirely different that we need to work on for it. I think it's all about us and I I don't mean that just in a bravado way I do I think we need to play better and if we do I think there'll be opportunities for us they'll try and frustrate us when we have the ball I think this looks to me like a Rangers team that are going to try and just be difficult without the ball they're a team that are quite comfortable out of possession so I think we might see more of what we have seen um, from them but we just need to be better but it was delicious and Liam Scales is um, obviously now got the season Incredible, it was a nice wee moment And I did enjoy it, there was a nice wee trifecta there of Johnny Hayes, Liam Scales and Barry Robson Who have all got their history against Rangers Now, which is quite nice So um, it felt like a good omen for the week to be honest Because I feel that like we're going to be talking about Barry Robson a lot this week
0: <laughs> Yeah, I can I can guarantee we will be uh, I have to say um, That Johnny Hayes is still so fit I mean he's only 35 Like, He's not, you know, n- near
1: 40s Alan? I have a theory on Johnny Hayes. I think he would like to retire, but Aberdeen won't allow him to, and <laughs> he's now stuck in this situation where he's a professional footballer against as well. So I will be starting a free Johnny Hayes campaign at the end of the season. Although he just says signed a new contract, which admittedly will make the campaign very difficult. But we'll do our bloody best to get him out of that deal.
0: Um, I mean, you won't, you'll never think of it again. But good, good idea
1: uh, out of my head immediately.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, Kieran did you get to see the game or just the ha- the result?
2: No, the first the first I I knew of it was um Callum posted them on the Cynic chats, Greg Taylor on the mud. I was like, well for fuck's sake, what's he done now? <laughs> is he posted like, <laughs> like like UTB or something on the, on Instagram or something? But uh, um no, is that they uh yeah, I, I didn't nicely uh, watch any of it, but I've watched the highlights twice this morning, so that tells you <laughs> you didn't need to know. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's just nice, isn't it? Like it's like um in one way it's quite Annoying, they couldn't have this when we were they were breathing down our necks a bit, or they would just kept winning games. And now that we've got this lead, um, breathing down our necks seems well, yeah. a lot. No, nah, yeah. that's well, that's my that's my shite baggery talk, <laughs> um, But like, it's the yeah, but at the same time, at uh, the the flip side, of that it's also just really funny because you, you know that you know it's they are just going to fall miles away behind us while we we trot away with the title. So yeah, and as uh, and looking at the highlights, they—they they, and looking at the XG and everything, they didn't really create a, a massive amount. You know, there was the they was cleared off the line and Matavaneer's one right at the keeper, which which was treated as this incredible save. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's quite—it's just good. It's good. I don't know more of this next season. It'd be quite funny if this we do win next weekend, and you know the Beal momentum sort of collapses, and he just get. Like, I know we're obviously biased. We've got the green tinted specs on and everything. But you can, like, if it, if that was my manager, just moaning every bloody game, I'd be so annoyed. Like the, the whole like Sakala pool thing is an absolute nonsense. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's not, style. not a it
0: It's not a foul at all. No. No. Um, <laughs> I j- just want to highlight. Sorry, before we we move on and look ahead to the game of the weekend, um, Dad's uh, texted. Um, sorry, WhatsApp. Um, straight after the game on Saturday uh, with his mother will. Uh, with teams sitting, sitting so deep, do we need to find a way of getting the ball forward faster instead of side to side, particularly at the back? And is Kobe, uh, Kobayashi, the answer to this problem? Time and again, we are stifled up by. Uh, up top by teams but continued to muck about between Hart, Starfield and CCB. With a lot of questions like that Kieran uh, Devlin will be doing a one man show uh, and we'll we'll probably purchase that um, where he'll just be talking about Kobayashi. Me and Kobayashi are life um, and he'll be talking about that so don't don't worry about it Alan?
1: I I think there was an interesting thing that someone um, had shared on Twitter last week from the coaches conference at Celtic Park. I'm not sure if They were supposed to share it or not, but it was quite interesting. Um, and it was just talking about what Celtic want to do when teams are high up and they have maybe they've turned over possession and it's about how we try and play through teams. And I think Ange was just pointing out that what he would like his team to do, and you'll see it when, you know, we get the ball anywhere in the park, whether it's Joe Hart, anyone at all, when teams are high up, he wants his wingers to be in natural high and wide positions because. You can almost, it's almost like you can skip two or three steps. If they're high and wide and teams are almost gambling a little bit, they're pressing. If you press, if you get them high and wide and you can feed them the ball, then it's as direct as it comes. But it's not long ball football. It's just about almost being aggressive and how you position yourselves. And if you can do that, then you can avoid having to play through what is a very congested middle area of the park. But it's about when to do it. And I think if there's one, maybe criticism of us is that I think sometimes players are a little bit reticent to give the ball away by making that pass. They don't want to be the one that gets the big groan going around Celtic Park because they tried a pass and it was too long or it was too short or it gets intercepted. And I think, you know, teams are pressing us or they're in possession they turn it over. If you can spring Dyson Maeda, Hax Ivanovic, Joe, I ain't Bada. All these guys, I think, are capable of running behind either getting a shot off themselves or dropping into someone. So, I think we could almost be a little bit more aggressive with that, but it was quite an interesting clip. I'm, I'm assuming it's still floating about somewhere on, on Twitter, but it was just an interesting you know, alternative to what we try and do. It's very difficult, but if you can do that, again, it comes back to having someone that's got the confidence and the quality to make that range pass. And I think, just a name we haven't mentioned yet, Awata is another player who I think looks like he buys into that and wants to do that, but you need you need everyone to be almost be a threat with that. And I think we are maybe a little bit light on that, um, you know, particularly across the back. So it was just an interesting aside i seen from the, the coaches conference um, last week at Celtic Park.
0: Uh, we, our good friend Brian McManus was there. We're going to have a kind of chat about him, uh, a chat with him about that and what he learned from it and stuff. So uh, look out for that coming up soon. Uh, obviously Celtic, are and but be, actually before uh, we look at the, the semi-final, um Martin from Wishaw uh, sent in a message today saying, "After watching Scales' performance yesterday, and bearing in mind I haven't watched very much of him over the course of the season, is there any merit in bringing him back next season to play a part as cover for Taylor, with the view of loaning Bernabai out for a season to help his development?" Um, Kieran, what's your thoughts on that?
2: Um, I'm I'm not sure, like obviously, I love the goal. It was very enjoyable to see go in. But I've got a pal who supports Aberdeen, and he's not been very complimentary about skills this season in general. I'm not sure whether they'd want him him back or anything. I think, um, I think he's he's done okay, but um, he's made quite a lot of mistakes. So I'm not I'm not sure. Like I'm glad he's doing well, and obviously it's brilliant that his goal led to them <laughs> beating Rangers. Um, but I'm not I'm not convinced he's for all bereavies. Vaults, and he does have a lot to work on as we've talked about to death I'm not convinced that Scales is an an upgrade on him or maybe even offers a lot of the, the same um, skill set I think both to be honest I think both their issues is that they're is defensively um, and I think maybe Bernabé offers you a bit more technique and a bit more of an outlet but I think personally I wouldn't be I wouldn't be, um, <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, against Signing another left back in the summer, if I wouldn't, it's not one of my priority positions. I do think there's maybe three, three areas I'd quite like to to, to dip into first. But if it's possible to get in somewhere there who's a bit more competition for Taylor and Bernabai, you know, there's maybe not as much put on his shoulders. Um, then I, I I'd be quite keen on that option. But personally, I'm not convinced that that scales.
0: Uh- Personally, I, d- I don't think uh, Scales has got a future uh, at Celtic. I think, he'll, I think he'll go and, you know, if he signs for Aberdeen, I think, a, I think he's a good player. No question about it. I just I don't think he's good enough to hold down a first-team or even challenge for a first-team jersey at Celtic long-term. Alan, your thoughts?
1: I've never seen Greg Taylor score from that angle, <laughs> 40 yards out. So. There, he is, um, there he is, there he is, there he is. No, I... I I think he's Aberdeen have improved a lot under Robson. He's I think he's a defensive minded player. I, I watched, I think Aberdeen at Ibrooks earlier in the season, and he had a really really tough time. So, um, nah I just think the standard at Celtic is is very high, and I, I don't think that's a move that you know we'd see going forward. But um, happy for him nonetheless. But I don't think he'll be back here in a starting position next season.
0: Uh, great question though Martin thank you for sending it in uh, Celtic taking on Rangers Scottish Cup semi-final um, how are you feeling this game is huge this game is the this is the gateway to the Scottish Cup final this is the potential gateway to a treble um, Kieran what's your what, what what's your point of view at this point
2: yeah it would be it would, it'd be incredible and I'd Quite desperate for Ange to get at least one treble while he's here as well. Just to you know, just to really hammer home on that point, um, and just to give that cap that that cap to the the year the would be nice. Especially if we don't if we don't do much in Europe, <laughs> it'd be nice to have like this. We've had some incredible moments, some incredible results, some incredible memories on the on the Ange. But the, there's something special about having the treble to to top it all off. Um, So, uh, yeah, the the nerves have obviously kicked in already. I'm not sure. Both teams just aren't looking great at the moment. But, you know, the classic cliche about form goes out the window. They they have a number of injuries to key players as we do. So it just feels like you can tell it's probably not going to be a great game of football. I think it's both teams, you know, underpowered, sort of exhausted towards the end and might just be... Yeah, a bit of a bit of a scrap. In which case, you know, players like a and Johnston could be really useful as to have Celtic's biggest scrappers. Um, so yeah, I think I I think we've just got better players, even even without Jota and, and Hatate, who are obviously two of our favourites. But I do think just fundamentally, we've got better technical players. It's just going to come down to the, we identified what the issues were after the last game, and it has been our issues under Ange in these games is that when when the pressers are our back five struggle um, to to play out through the press, and this is something you know we've t- we spent twenty minutes talking about every <laughs> every week, so it's not new. But I think that is still the one area that I'd be worried about. But I I you know I do feel the fact that we've got these guys out, the fact that with you know Johnston really made his, his his claim with a really good defensive performance last time. The fact that Awata's come into the fold, you know, I, th- I really feel that like Awata could be massive in these games. You know, if he if if he as it looks like is going to start, I think he could be. Uh, you you know, he's he's the player they think Raskin is. <laughs> um, in my view, I think yeah, I think I think I really really like him, and I think I think he he offers a lot on the ball, as we discussed last week. But these types of games, when there's going to be a proper scrap in the middle of the pitch, that's where I really see him coming into his element, or hope so anyway, so I guess that if I was going to have a light prediction, I feel like this could be where a water shines
0: Uh, Alan, how are you feeling? Are you cocksure or a little bit of nerves?
1: Um, I'm, I'm quite excited by it if I'm honest, and I think a lot of that excitement comes from the fact that you've largely got a double tucked away in your top pocket um, which is nice um, I would, it, it almost takes away a slight element of jeopardy I would not like to begin into this um, with all the pressure of your season lying on it um, <laughs> and I think you know I think if Celtic can get past that initial Rangers set up I think if you can get through that and you can have our players playing on their midfield and defence then I think you could have well Rangers on toast. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I do. I feel as if, if you can get past that. I think not if it falls down because look, the, you, people talk about what the gap is and I, I really have no idea. That's hypothetical. But I think we've got, as Kieran says, I think we've got better creative players. I don't think Rangers have an answer to Kyogo's movement But that only works and it only is functional if we have the ball in and around the box. And if we don't, then as Keenan says, it could be a very sticky game. It could be quite difficult. Um, I think their number one goal is disruption and not allow us to play, which is fundamentally different to, I think, the way we see the game. I think we want to be attacking, open and play with that honesty we've talked about all season. And if you can get past that initial press, I, I have confidence in, I have confidence in whoever the manager picks this weekend. Even if it's the same team as this week, I wouldn't be surprised if you actually see players have really good performances. You know, you talked about Hak The one thing the manager insists on is that the players keep doing what he asks them to do. If it comes off in the day or not, it's one of those things that you maybe can't impact. But if they keep doing the right things, and the, the results will come. And I think that's what you go into this weekend thinking. It's a really good position for us, like... Hamden's horrible if you don't win and especially if you don't win the Rangers and it would be a huge disappointment but we go into in a really, really commanding position. I was talking about it on the way to the game on Saturday actually and the one thing I was saying was I would like us to get a treble as well. A, because I'm greedy and B, because I want to go to Hamden and celebrate winning a domestic clean sweep but I would also like to go into next season as well, having achieved that and then almost being able to say right, the standard has moved up so much now that. Actually, we measure ourselves in a different way, and um, we don't measure it in domestic trebles. And um, maybe some people are are already at that point, but with nothing left to play for at this point in the season, that's all you can focus on. So, um, I would like it because I think next season it would really pivot towards. And I was even saying, you know, do you look at the league cup next season and say we are going to specifically target that competition as one that we develop either young players or rotational players to improve in, and we don't start the same 11 in that as we would in a league game at the weekend. That's something we've not traditionally done, but, you know, potentially you could look at that and people might scoff at the idea of that. I wouldn't... I would say that the Celtic team is good enough to win the League Cup while still using young players and rotational players, depending on the draw. So, you know, things like that come into it, but that's maybe a discussion for the summer. Um, But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm nervous, I'm excited. Um, It'll be a long morning before it, but... I think we can do it. Um so don't have don't have a big breakfast because you know what you're having for lunch and Sunday.
0: <laughs> uh I'm very much looking forward to uh slight nerves, um but this Celtic team uh, I think play better under the higher the kind of pressure and the higher the circumstances so i'm looking forward to another day at hamden i got a couple of questions about it we're obviously we'll cover this game alan and myself will be on the lunch club on friday and we'll look at it and then on saturday uh, we've got a preview um and then the reaction on on sunday as well in fact you know what i'll talk through the agenda uh you're listening to the agenda uh, as always, uh, or drops on a Monday. Um, Tuesday, we've got the review with Christian and Graham. They'll be looking back at the Motherwell game um, uh, for your uh, delight. Uh, Wednesday, we've got the Celtic Women's Football Show. That will be covering uh, Celtic FC Women's uh, qualification for the Scottish Cup final after defeating Glasgow City uh, 1-0 yesterday, which was in what was one of the dullest games of football I've ever attended, but uh, there we go. Um, Thursday, we'll have the Cynic Weekly. Of course, as always, Friday, I said, uh, we'll have the lunch club with myself and Alan, and on Saturday we've got uh, a preview of the Scottish Cup game uh, uh, against Rangers, of course. And then San- Sunday we'll have the reaction uh, straight afterwards, recorded from uh, Chris Bowd's house. Uh, so sure should be good fun. Um, got a couple of questions. Uh, you know, this this with the players we've got out. You know, uh, we don't know who's going to be kind of a race against time to get fit. You know. Obviously, we've got Hatati and, and, and Jota, and there's even talk of a being available. Whether they're available or not, I don't know. Um, question from a uh, Ross Bain. Uh, he WhatsApped in, uh, "Morning, agenda gang. If we were to have one available from Hatati or Jota for the weekend, which would you choose? Midfield seems to have more options, but the creativity and flair of Hatati has been a big miss." Jota appears to be the only left-winger we have capable of producing anything on the right, with Haxabanovich failing to impress with with his two starts. All the best. Kieran, uh, Kieran, um, whose kind of MSM messenger uh, handle would be Hatati Stan, probably, if there there was one still available at this point. Kieran, who who would you have, Hatati or Jota? Yeah,
2: Yeah. Hatati. Yeah, yeah. do I need to provide a in-depth <laughs> explanation? No, I feel in like, no. Yeah, I think as I did say before like we do, we do just miss him in the middle of the pitch, and I, do, I also think in these games, and I think it would, it was exemplified in the last the the last time we played them, the the defensive work he provides you, and that and his ability to track back, his ability to cover ground, and really sort of press and you know shepherd players away from where they should be is is invaluable and in the same way nobody can really create from central areas like him, nobody is as quick or you know provides that type of defensive security as he does, you know McGregor and O'Reilly put a defensive shift but I don't think they're quite as effective as Hitati is as well
0: Yeah, Alan what about yourself, would it be Jota or Hitati if you
2: I think factoring in
1: the injury to Hitati is a hamstring injury I think you're probably there's probably a little bit more likelihood of seeing Jota. Um, I don't know, do we, do we know what Jota's issue is? I know we do play it particularly coy over trend, um, injuries under, under Ange.
0: I've not heard anything kind of confirmed or official. He no. um, might be in the running for Saturday, Sunday, but again, you know what Ange is like with uh, I, holding cast.
1: I, I feel like there's there, there's a, a very, very slim likelihood of seeing Rio Hitati, to be honest, so I kind of, in my own head, ruled him out. Um, whereas Jota, I'm optimistic of. I think when you see it at the weekend as well, we, we were very reticent to make a change that involved bringing on a natural winger. So I think it would be helpful to have Jota back. He's got a really good record in these games now, um, as well. And I think we do have more options in the midfield. So I probably, I would probably go Jota, but it is with probably a wee nod to, um, Real And I know Stuart Dugan is always particularly concerned about having a tired reel. So, we don't want that. Give him the full rest and let him, um, let him be back for the wee midweek scalpy bum at, at, at Ibrooks.
0: Uh, got another couple of questions and then we can uh, finish up. Um, question from Chris, or Chris uh, sorry, question, comment. Um, with Noah Tati in the team, you're seeing even more how a good ball playing centre back could help, Kieran's ears have just pricked up, could help in speeding up play and getting the ball into our dangerous areas of the park. Do the panel think it's time to play Kobayashi at the weekend? Who would help with this? Over the certain steadiness of CCV and Starfield defensively, I think what Kobayashi brings in a system and attacking sense outweighs any possible defensive frailties he may have had. He may have, and I would play him at the weekend. Up the good guys, hail hail! A uh, great question, Chris. Um, I'm. I mean, I think. It, oh, for, you know, from from my point of view, um, last time we played Rangers at Ibrox, um, at Hamden, we won with Carter Vickers and and Starfield, and I know that's not the, you know. the the be all and end all you know we we could you know i i get all of the arguments for bringing in kobayashi and i get all of why we need I, i totally get that but uh i just i would hate to put this guy in and for him to get absolutely ragdolled defensively because he's not came up against anything like rangers um and how they play and for it just to really affect them um Maybe that's really naive in my point. Maybe if he is good enough, you should just fire him in and you know sink or swim. So I get I get all perspective. I get why people want to start him. I get why people um, would be less uh, quite resistant to start him. Uh, obviously, all about controlled environments and stuff. Uh, I'll go to Alan first. All right, Kieran. I'll go. I'll go to Alan first. I think right, Alan.
1: This feels like um you're just giving Kieran time to build up. Also, <laughs> it's Kieran's own question we're answering as well. So yeah. <laughs> um maybe mindful about that. Um Do you know what I, I would go I would go Staffelton, Cameron Carter Vickers. Um the only thing I would say about it though is it concerns how how likely and I think again, similar to last week, how likely is that to change then over the summer if they're both still here? How much is three months going to be that difference maker? My only concern about Um, Kobayashi for this weekend I mean aside from he's not been tested in a game of that nature that's not down to him um, as he's not had a lot of football but also I think the way Rangers play and I talked about it earlier and I talked very very quickly about it they'll have two players who know where Kobayashi will want to put the ball or any player will want to put the ball and they'll leave that window open they'll leave that window open to tempt to play that pass and as soon as that ball goes they will try and cut it out that's what they'll feed off now I praised um Stafford particularly after the last Rangers game because what he did do was it might be frustrating but he, he wasn't tempted and he didn't play into that trap now Kobayashi is a more talented uh, certainly looks more adept at playing out he might be capable of actually making those passes which is then a game changer but I do feel that if they do frustrate and the onus is on him then as one of that, you know, back four to play out, that he might just fall into that trap, not because he's not a good player or not because he can't play that pass, but because it's so obvious that that's exactly what, um, you know, he'll be there to do. So I do think and play on that, the potential that that could have to set him back a little bit. So it's a very, very high risk And there there is a reward element to it as well that we should point out, but that would be my concern. Um, I do think I would just stick with the tried and tested for this game um, because it has worked and just that hopefully have that trust in both CCV and Starfield not to play into their hands by essentially creating something that... They haven't earned, um, in my opinion, so uh, don't give them anything for nothing. And I think that's probably one of the big avenues is to try and tempt players into playing through tight windows, breaking up, and then counter on you. So um, Ange hasn't made a big decision to play him in a big game yet. I would be very surprised if he, he did that on Sunday. So I would, I would stick with them, um, the the double winning duo so far. Hopefully, treble winning duo.
0: Kieran, um I know. Obviously, we, we joking aside, you're obviously a big fan of him, and you, you think he's got potential to really cement himself. Do you think Ange would take the plunge with him this for this game?
2: It's the what of the what of the day, isn't it? Plunge. <laughs> we're really we're, jumping in on you, it. And, you and me. You and Mika Richards are more common than you think. Fuck up. Um, <laughs> um, no, no, I think he's got to go try and test it. Yeah, um, I think the, what I would say beyond like the obvious stuff is. He has to play one of these games at some point. He has to play a high-pressure game at some point. If he is ever going to both prove to himself, prove to the fans, prove to the manager that he is the player we hope he is, we have to drop him in at the deep end at some stage. Um, you know, I guess maybe Ibrox, if we've already won the league, Ibrox might be a less, slightly less pressured occasion to do that. Um, but as Alan's said there won't be a lot of games before you've got Champions League group stage games next season you know realistically there will be one Rangers game and that will be your one high profile big pressure game before we kick off the, champ- the end of Champions League fixtures so he has if he is going to be a, a first team regular next season I think you know then things might change he might be one of the stars of pre-season and he's an automatic pick from the off but it I would I think for his own sake, for the it would be really good for him to just be given that chance at some point. Now that's for his own sake. That is not necessarily for the, the sake of the team. More for us hoping Ange gets a treble. That's an entirely different conversation, obviously. So I do think, in the grand scheme of things, it probably it probably will just be the team we saw Saturday, maybe with. Um, a rogue jota thrown in for good measure.
0: Uh, final question uh, before we wrap up is from Kieran McGuigan. Uh, unfortunately I will miss Wednesday's live show since I'll be in Manchester for work but I wanted to ask do you think there's room for a Barry Robson or Paul Hartley type player in today's Celtic team? That 3-2 Robson penalty game was my first derby and I've had such, had such a soft spot for Robson since and he absolutely hates them as we could see at full time yesterday. Um I love Paul Hartley and Barry Robson. I think they both technically very good. Yeah. Um, obviously, Paul Hartley was a little bit uh, towards the end of his career when he. When he well, they both kind of were, but I think Hartley, if we'd signed him under Martin O'Neill, um, would have made a, a huge, huge uh, impact as a, that box to box kind of midfielder. Anyway, we're getting way off target. That's me just bab- babbling. Um, do you think those type of players? W- We'll ever see those type of players at Celtic again. Uh, we'll start with out
1: Yeah, but I, I think you do. I, I think you see. I'll, well, it's a long time since I've watched Barry, Fe- uh, Barry Ferguson for fuck's sake. Eh? There's a slip that I'm not getting away from. Jesus Christ, <laughs> Barry, Barry Robson. Um, I'll uh, I'll see you in a couple of weeks' go. Um, it's a long time since I've watched them week in week out, and obviously I've watched the both games against Rangers. Barry Robson was very technically gifted. No, that left foot was a set-piece delivery. Again, we're going to talk about this on Wednesday. Set-piece delivery was unbelievable. Um, So, And he was very strong. Obviously, he was very physical. He never shirked any elements of the game. When I look at Tomoki Iwata, that is a player who does not shirk any physical elements of the game, who is technically adept on both sides, more dynamic, probably covers a lot more ground. Um, I think Hartley's a little bit different probably the stage of the career we got him. So I think there is absolutely a role for for those players. Obviously, it's a little bit different now. You've got to be a little bit um, more careful with your tackling, with your smashing into folk in the early seconds of a derby. (laughs) Um, But you still need to be as physically commanding. You can't shirk any of that. You still need to be strong. Um, So yeah, I I think there is a role for that. I think, like everything, it's evolved on. But Barry Robson isn't a they are not talking about a 1970s-style t- t- kind of, you know, clubber. He was a technically gifted player who really worked really, really hard to put players under pressure and force mistakes. And uh, I, we were very, very lucky to have him in that wee short spell because he was very, very good for us, and he was good for a goal as well. So, so yeah, I, I, I think there's always a role for players like that, if I'm honest. Maybe Hartley's a little bit different. I would need to watch a wee bit more of him. But Robson, certainly, he was... um he's uh, a player that I liked a lot and I think I see still that m- minimum standard of hard work as a-, a real central tenant of the Celtic team as well. So, not definitely it's... the Barry Robson is alive and well and
2: Tomoki Iwata. There's a headline.
0: Oh, I love it. Uh, Kieran, what's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, well, I guess you'd point to Alastair Johnston as well. If you're going for players across the pitch, not just in the midfield, but to be honest, I think I think Callum McGregor is almost like a better calibre of that in a sense you know he's not he maybe doesn't have as many like big sliding tackles or as that sort of robust thing but in terms of just that centre midfielder who who puts a 100% shift in every game who covers everybody the glass who he's not as defensively secure as Iwata but he's He he tries, (laughs) you know. He cover. He does try and he tracks back every time. He's he's so like intelligent and how he defends the space that, and obviously the way he just links up play. He's technically gifted. He is that version of a player. I think he's just because he is so much more than that at the same time. As maybe where he just we maybe don't associate him with that type of player, but he is just so instrumental in that side, as well as, you know, being the playmaker that we associate him with, especially since Ange moved them to, to number six.
0: Absolutely. Um, listen, it's been an absolute joy, uh, and we'll be talking plenty about uh, Barry Robson and Paul Hartley uh, at the live show at the uh, Blackfriars on Wednesday, 26th of April. Uh, tickets still available. Um, Ed's there at the Cynic, if you want to get a link. Uh, it's also on Eventbrite, so uh, just do a search there, but Get come along, and uh, we should have a class time. Um, but there's plenty coming up on the Cynic as well. Uh, the agenda, the review, Celtic Women's Football Show, the Cynic Weekly, the Lunch Club, the preview, and the reaction, all to wet your appetite for what is a, a huge week uh, in this uh, season's campaign. Uh, Alan Edgar, it's been a pleasure, a joy, and we'll speak to you very soon.
1: Lovely, enjoyed it. Have a have a lovely week, boys.
0: Caden Devlin, joy as always, and we'll see you on Wednesday.
2: I'll see you on
0: Wednesday. Pleasure's all mine, go. Lovely stuff. Uh, from Kieran Devlin, from Alan Edgar, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been The Agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road.